Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for being with us today and letting us be part of your day. Here's what we'll be talking about. Congress says no to disaster aid. The president says no to lifting tariffs on uh, Canada and Mexico. And we continue to watch and get assessments of of the flood damage. We're going to talk with Bill Northey, USDA Undersecretary, on the program today. He's been out touring a lot of the flooded areas. We'll get uh, his assessment and uh, where we go from here as far as assistance. University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin will join us to talk about some surprising USDA numbers last week, especially when it comes to corn. And we'll talk with a Nebraska farmer who's dealing with the effects of the flooding in that state. Greg Anderson will join us a little bit later on to give us an update in his area and how far away he may be from planting. But let's start things off with the news. DTN reporter Todd Neely joins us now. Todd, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. How about things in your area of Nebraska? How do they look? Well, you know, we're, uh, we've are we been doing okay here. Um, we had a little water issue in the city of Lincoln that's been fixed. And, uh, you know, we're seeing up up northeast Nebraska here, we're starting to see the floodwaters go down. Um, you know, there's been a lot of road work going on. I, I think things are slowly, uh, slowly starting to tick back upward. Um, you know, obviously we have a lot of cattle losses and other things that, producers are having to work their way through um but i think you know the good news is at this point i don't think we've seen any additional flooding and um you know regardless of what happens you know whether we get federal disaster aid or not here in the state things are going to go on i was going to say it remains to be seen whether any federal disaster aid will come and even if it does when but in the meantime there have been a lot of people reach out to help haven't there Absolutely, Mike. I mean, we've seen hay, you know, hay loads coming from Wisconsin, I mean, all over the place. Um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, we've learned this a couple of different times, you know, in the wildfire disasters down in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas uh, a couple of years ago, a year ago. Um, you know, everybody just pulls together, and that's just how it is at a time of disaster. You know, there are no boundaries, and um, it, it's really amazing, the people, the outpour. Um you know, it's it never seems to it never ceases to amaze us, honestly. Where are you with infrastructure as far as road and bridge repair, and are, are the rail lines opening back up? Uh, yeah, you know, we're getting pretty close. Um, you know, as we reported last week, uh, some of the ethanol plants here in the state and some of the feedlots as well, uh, still trying to work through some of the highway construction things that might be up and going. Um, I know the railroads are, are pretty close. As far as we knew, at the end of last week, uh, we were supposed to have uh, another section of, of railroad open. Uh, haven't really seen a lot of updates from the railroad. They, they keep kind of tied to the vest. But um, so far, I mean, it seems as if things are slowly starting to get going. Um, I know that, you know, as things go on, we're going to find out more information. We're probably going to see a lot more uh, areas of damage that people didn't catch, you know, in the initial assessment. Um, but it's, I think that's just kind of how it's going to be for a while. You know, we're just going to kind of have to piece things back together and, and see where we go. We're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Meanwhile, Todd, we mentioned uh, the disaster assistance package. 
it's stalled in uh, Congress as they continue to argue about uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, you know, and it's really unfortunate. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, at this point, um, I'll just say I, I don't think, uh, honestly, here in Nebraska, people look at that stuff and, you know, they may notice it, uh, you know, they may see it, and, but they, they really see it as just politics as usual. Um, obviously, we need help here. We need disaster assistance. There's no doubt about it. But uh, it's just kind of the way around here that people just help one another and kind of start picking up the pieces, uh, you know, doing what they can do on their own. I mean, we see a lot of that, um, especially in the smaller rural areas of Nebraska. We see a lot of people realize that it could be some time on, on some of the things they need fixed. And, you know, they're kind of pulling together trying to do that on their own. So, um, you know, while that's interesting, it makes for interesting politics in Washington. Um, honestly, life here in Nebraska is just going on. Because the package, as it started out, was about over uh, disasters from several months ago. So those folks are still waiting. So that shows how long these things take. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, uh, you know, that I guess that's just the sad part of the, of the state of affairs right now. It, it just seems that, uh, you know, in these times, you, you would think that those, uh, you know, the political games and the things we see in D.C. just wouldn't happen. Um, and maybe here at some point that, you know, that's going to change course. But like I said, I... Um, I think the people in D.C. need to know that people people around here affected by the disasters are not going to let any of that stuff get in the way. When you look around the state, uh, and we're going to talk with the Nebraska farmer a little bit later on about his situation, uh, uh, some mm-hmm. of those fields that have been underwater, how long do you think it would take for some of them to be able to, you know, be ready to be planted? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a ways. You know, Mike, um, back in 11, you know, we saw the flooding uh, the Missouri River flooding as it went down south toward St. Joe, Missouri, and that, that area. Um, you know, there are farmers down there. It took years to get sand out of their fields and even, you know, get it close to where it could be uh, produced again there. Um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of images, photos coming out of some of these areas in Nebraska that are completely covered with sand. Um, you know, and in some cases, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see whether some of those fields will ever return to production. And so it's it's typically a couple of years, three years process, you know, if, if there's still, you know, not excessive damage from erosion on some of the, you know, the good parts of the field, uh, it can definitely be worked out, but it, it's uh, it's definitely not an overnight process. Have you seen or heard um, what people may be doing, what farmers are doing with that grain in those bins, that the, the bins that came down, that the, that grain came out and been in underwater? What are they going to do with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, honestly, they really can't, uh, you know, take it to an elevator. I mean, no one's going to accept it. it. It's completely, you know, out of, out of the question. Um, I don't know that it can be fed. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that have to be worked through yet. Um, and, and really the sad, the other sad part of this is that on some of those grain bins that tilted over, you know, and you see all that damage of the grain spilled out, there's still probably a lot of good grain in there. Uh, but whether a farmer can get in there and get the, the good out of the bad, um, I don't know. And, and I think, um, you know, that that's, you know, as we keep going forward here on, on the recovery, I, I think that's one of the one of the big things that a lot of producers are already you know, thinking about what they might be able to do at this point. I, I don't know that there are a lot of good answers. Yeah, a lot more questions than answers at this point. And as you said, uh, they're still discovering what some of those questions may be, let alone find out the answers. It's going to take a while as they get out there and and get a chance to assess things more. Well, Todd, thanks for the update. Uh, Good to talk with you. We appreciate it. 
Yeah, you too, Mike. Thank you. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely with an update on the situation in Nebraska. And as we mentioned later in the program, we'll talk with uh, northeastern Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson about the conditions on his farm and in his area and how far away they may be from uh, spring planting. Also a little bit later, Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist, will join us to go over some of those numbers from USDA last week, some surprising corn numbers, and we'll get into those a little bit later. But up next, more on the uh, flood situation in the Midwest. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey joins us next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. I'm Julie Dinatelli, so I'm with Granular. I'm the Director of Commercial Marketing, so I help our go-to-market folks get the tools they need to talk to farmers and talk to investors. So Acre Value is part of our Granular family of software, but it's a little different because it's like the Zillow of farmland. So it is using public sources of data that we have an algorithm for, for this information to be digested and then give, uh, whether it's a farmer, a land investor, an institutional investor, or maybe it's a local bank, or even an ag retailer agronomist, information about land in their area. For some states, we can get everything, like ownership, water rights, we can get um, uh, parcel information, we can get crop history, soil survey. And so it's giving our agricultural investors or community information that um, is very helpful, whether they're trying to find their next acre or see what their acreage is worth and negotiate landlord agreements. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Missouri Farm Bureau President Blake Hurst joins us. Flooding and recovery efforts. In the final analysis, whether it's because of mistakes by the Corps or climate change or an act of God, the one thing we know for sure is that these floods are happening more often and they're more severe when they do happen. So we have to get a new plan. Increasing flood storage in the reservoirs, that's a man, that's a decision. We decide how much we decide how many feet of flood storage we want there to start the spring flooding season with. That's got to be increased. We've got to look at uh, making sure the river channel is clean. We've got big deposits in places along the river, uh, much less uh, channel than we had maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, we've got levees that we always repair them right back where they were again. We've got to improve the system. So I guess our focus is going to be talking about changes that will make the future safer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey has been touring some of the uh, flooding in the Midwest and in those areas, talking with a lot of folks, and he joins us now. Bill, thanks for being with us. Uh, what was your takeaway from your tour of the flooded areas? Boy, tough stuff, Mike, um, and you've heard it from others, I'm sure, as well. But, uh, boy, a lot of water. Uh, you know, you get on the ground and you drive around, you can see some places where the water has started to recede a little bit. It was uh, Thursday and Friday uh, last week that I was there. Um, and it was down maybe six to eight feet from the peak. Um, and then we flew over the top of it, and uh, there are places that you look left, right, and forward, and all you see is water with uh, with the occasional farmstead uh, popping up in the water. So there's, there's a lot of water to move yet. Um, you get on the ground and you talk to folks. Um, there's certainly damage under that water, whether it's sand pushed around, a lot of levees that need to be repaired, uh, certainly uh, more grain bins and losses of grain uh, in in storage than I have seen, and that was a function of the river just coming up really fast. People didn't get a chance to be able to, uh, to move their grain. In some cases, they didn't even get a chance to be able to move all their equipment out, let alone pick up household items and those kinds of things. What do they do with that grain? Well, for the most part, if it's gotten flood water in it um, uh, to any degree, it is not such that you are able to feed it or use it for ethanol or something else just because you see all the other stuff floating around in the water. Uh, you've got uh, oil and chemicals and other kinds of things um, and uh, certainly don't want to be able to use that. So for the most part, they'll dispose of it probably land apply it, disc it in, um, and uh, that's kind of a hard thing to do after you spent all year last year, uh, and that was your, uh, that was what you were using to pay off last year's operating note, uh, and now it's uh, gone from not worth enough to not worth anything at all. So we know Congress is stuck on trying to get something done as far as a disaster aid package or still trying to come up with some compromise and work their way through it. In the meantime, what is USDA doing? What can you do to help? Well, we have some programs. Uh, we're starting to run low on dollars on some of those programs, but we expect Congress to top them up. So uh, folks in those flooded areas that have had um, land flooded before are very familiar with uh, the Emergency Conservation Program, that is a program that will allow uh, rebuilding of fences, uh, picking up a debris, um, uh, being able to, to push sand or silt uh, off of fields, trying to get those fields back in condition. Of course, for the most part, uh, many of those areas are too wet to work yet, but we're encouraging folks to be able to come in, talk to their 
talk to their county office, be able to have that conversation uh, about what you what you see coming, um, and then also count, get in and talk to your crop insurance agent. We've got folks that uh, may well be prevented from planning. It's it's good for our agents to be able to know uh, what the situation is on different farms. Uh, of course, it's uh, a lot of time yet before we run out of planning season uh, for this year's crop, but. Boy, there's a lot of it that has a lot of water on it yet, and certainly if it has sand, it has to be moved as well. Uh, there's certainly going to be some of the areas that are not going to get planted uh, in 2019. What are you hearing from your county offices? Are a lot of folks coming in? We do hear some. I think in a lot of cases they're just taking care of stuff at home. They're they're hauling stuff out of their basement if they can. They're trying to keep their cattle or, or hogs fed. Um and so they're doing some of that. There are coming into the office, starting to share some things. Um, out of out of Nebraska, we're hearing more livestock losses. Again, we don't have a really good handle yet on how many there are, but but uh, certainly the way that came up and the places it hit, uh, there was some more livestock that was exposed to those floodwaters. So we lost some livestock, and so we have some folks coming in to talk about livestock indemnity program as well, and then some early conversations um, around uh, what's called the emergency watershed program. That's looking at some of the infrastructure and those kinds of things, more kind of a community-based project. So that, that conversation is happening as well. I know you've been talking with a lot of state officials, uh, uh, Department of Ag, uh, governors. You've been talking with Farm Bureau leaders. Uh, there are a lot of people working on this, and not to mention uh, the uh, the assistance, the donations coming in from people around the country. You know, that's really impressive. I I saw folks, you know, it's very emotional um, uh, to, to lose things and and. And uh, some of these folks, uh, if they just had a, another few days, would have got some more things out. Uh, they they wouldn't have wanted to go through the flood, but you want to be able to save whatever you can. Um, and then to talk to them about the kind of that outpouring of support that they feel, whether it's a livestock producer uh, that has hay show up from somebody halfway across the country or, or whether it's um, um, somebody who in the community in the community of Hamburg they've got a got a, a building down there that's collecting some of those donations and getting out to the people that need them and uh, you see people get very emotional about um, how they feel about somebody thinking about them and, and we can do some things and, and we need to we need to do everything that we can as a government agencies whether it's federal or state agencies or counties are working hard to help people as well. But some of the most meaningful activities are coming from coming from neighbors or friends or people that they don't know that are reaching out. I, I remember still strikes me back when I was uh, with some folks in Oklahoma and Texas. They got hit by wildfires, and uh, folks showed up to help them rebuild a fence, um, didn't know them, showed up, and I'm sure it was a huge help to be able to get, you know, a, a mile's worth of fence done instead of a couple hundred yards worth of fence done. But emotionally, you know, a year later, they're still talking about how meaningful that was and how that helped them get up the next morning. And and so all of us individually should be thinking about what we can do to help folks as well. Um, it, it is a real financial help, but 
but it's also a help to remember that uh, you're not forgotten out there, and sometimes in the middle of these disasters, it can feel like you're forgotten. You mentioned uh, coming to, uh, you know, near the end of some of your funding for some of these programs. How important is it for Congress uh, to step up and get something done? Um, It is, and they will, I think. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. You see a a little bit of ping pong uh, right now. So um, I know that that they're very interested. Both sides are interested in doing something. Uh, I guess they've got some other things they're they're working on and disagreeing about, um, but it, but it's going to be important, especially uh, certainly our uh, emergency conservation program uh, is a program uh, that is used for cleanup um, and is one of those things a lot of folks depend on, and whether they're used to using it when they've had events like this or in lights, lots of areas in Nebraska, they haven't ever used it before. They've got flooding now. They're going to need to be able to access that program. And once once we're out of money, uh, we're not going to be able to take, take applications. And so right now we can, um, and we're going to stretch that as far as we can and take applications, but we're not going to be able to, or at least not be able to reimburse folks until uh, we get some dollars again. And looking ahead, I mean, there's probably more flooding coming as we get you know into the uh... – that snow melting, the water coming downstream, uh, spring rains, we're not out of this yet. We are not. Um, Certainly this is not the only area of the country impacted by flooding right now. The high river uh, is causing uh, issues in in the southern Mississippi Delta area. I talked to folks yesterday that that have uh, water that can't get into the river because the Mississippi River is so high there and it's backed up. Um, onto uh, to some areas that uh, they're wondering whether they're going to get planted this next year or not. Uh, we've got issues in the Red River Valley up north. We've got issues along the Mississippi as well. And then, as you say, Mike, there's there's a lot of snowpack yet uh, that is going to melt someday, uh, and hopefully it melts over a long period of time, not a short period of time. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of water that needs to come down right when we're also headed into, you know, the kind of a, a rainy time of year normally in spring uh, in the northern plains as well. So water that's, that's uh, going to hit some full reservoirs and some full rivers, we need some room. Well, Bill, thanks for the update, and we'll stay in touch with you as uh, things develop, and hopefully something will get worked out on the federal level and we can make some announcements there. Thanks for the update, Bill. You bet. Thank you, Mike. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northy. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 
so you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A mix in the grain and oil seed sector early on Tuesday. Soybean futures have tried both sides of steady money while we've had a weaker tone in wheat and in corn futures. Despite the strong day yesterday in corn, some traders believe that if President Trump moves forward with closing the U.S.-Mexican border, commodities across the board could fall considerably. If he follows through, some say it would not be helpful to the American farmer who's already been asked to carry the heavy load of a trade war with China. In soybean futures, an hour into the day, we are trending one to two cents higher. May contract up a penny and a quarter at 8.96 and three quarters of a cent. Bulls facing first resistance at the 10-day moving average seen at 8.98 and three quarters on this Tuesday. In corn futures, the May contract down a penny and a quarter, an hour in at 360 and three quarters. Friday's low at 356, said to be support resistance right around 365. In the wheats, minus signs. In Kansas City, new crop July down nine and a quarter at 433. USDA on Monday issued its first weekly national crop progress numbers of 2019. Kansas reporting 55% of its crop in good to excellent shape. Chicago wheat, four to five cents lower, four to five lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we are 30 to 32 cents higher from three contracts of the market, while feeder cattle are 22 to 60 cents higher. Waiting on cash cattle activity so far on the week. Lean hog futures stabilizing $1.45 to $2.50 higher. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 75. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Some surprising numbers last week from USDA. Let's talk about it with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, we were building this friendly, supportive scenario for the corn market, but USDA surprised people last week. They didn't seem to be uh, using the same playbook. They weren't. They didn't get the memo that we were building this friendly scenario. They, you know, all of a sudden they found more corn, more acres. Uh, were you surprised? Uh, yes, I was. Um, not as much on the acreage side because I, that was uh, within the range of expectations. What really blew the market out of the water was the grain stocks number, which was you know approaching 300 million bushels um, larger stocks than what the market was expecting on March one. Uh, which means there was in that uh, the second quarter of the marketing year three almost 300 million bushels less usage than expected. I want to say that because of the flooding, which really wasn't accounted for in this in these numbers in this latest round of reports, that a lot of people just kind of discounted uh, the numbers, but yet the market seemed to react to them. Right, and, and you know, I don't know how much of the sharp drop last Friday, down 16 cents in the corn market, uh, could be partitioned to the grain stocks numbers versus the additional acreage. Personally, I think the majority is the grain stocks because that not only indicates a weaker demand base for our old crop, it also sets a lower base for the new crop balance sheet. So I think that that was um, the real kicker, even though the extra acres also added to it. Yeah, the flood issues are not accounted for, and so directionally we might expect some reduction in acreage. But I, I think that uh, the ultimately the size that acres will be reduced due to the flooding will be less than maybe the dramatic pictures and videos would suggest. All right, so as I mentioned, there was this case being built. I talked to a lot of market people. They were building a case for you know, a very friendly scenario for corn. Do you see that changed now, or do you think we can get back to that? I think we can get back to it um, in corn. Number one, um, we'll have to see how the weather plays out for this current planting season. Uh, through mid-April, it certainly doesn't look very friendly for rapid progress on corn planting, but I don't get too worried about that until about the 10th of May. But we're certainly compressing the period to get everything done in a very timely manner. So that that could give us some support uh, as we move through the spring. Um, But probably the real big one is, boy, the corn market could use an agreement with China that boosts China's buying of corn and ethanol. That's the shot in the arm we really need. We're talking with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Uh, Let's talk about that, Scott. Uh, Of course, depending on what the announcement is and if and when it comes, uh, how big of a shot do you see that giving? I mean, is that going to be a big shot right at at the time of the announcement, or is it going to be more gradual depending on what the the timetable might be on purchases? Uh, How how do you think the market's going to react? Well, I I think, you know, again, it all depends on the magnitude and the timing of any purchases. Uh, 
so you know there's numbers have been thrown around i have no idea how accurate they are and how much china would buy directly in corn uh, but the number that i'm really keep want to keep an eye on is ethanol because there i see a place where uh, our need to use corn to uh, make ethanol and the ethanol industry and china's interest in getting up to a 10% gasoline blend all meshed together and that could be the big boom i mean i could see them maybe buying anywhere from uh Seven to eight hundred million gallons of ethanol, promising to do that. Basically, starting from day one on a program to do that uh, out into the future, and you know, I think that that could, you know, that would have a major impact uh, right there. You know, that would be, you know, an additional, depending on the conversion rates, you know, uh, two hundred to three hundred uh, million bushels of of corn into ethanol exports that would help that would you know pull our ending stocks finally back below two billion bushels just from that alone i think i find it interesting because throughout this trade issue with china from an agricultural standpoint the focus has been mainly on soybeans and here we are talking about the impact of a deal on corn right because corn we're talking about ending stocks to use uh, ratios of 14 or 15 percent in soybeans even though it does get all the attention uh, you know you're starting with a stocks to use ratio projection around someplace on the order of 25 percent for the uh, next marketing year and wow it's hard to imagine uh, soybean purchases from China large enough that would get us you know, back to a more normal level of stocks, say 350 or 400 million. Um, they certainly are going to agree to increase soybean production, but we're in a part of the pricing curve where we've got a long ways to go before we ought to see substantial price increases from anybody buying soybeans. And this weather late spring scenario shaping up could lead to more soybean acres. Yeah, you know, uh, that will not help so when we look at that situation is there do you see any friendly scenario that we can build for soybeans this year honestly you know from a fundamental standpoint i know there would be some you know if there's some announcement and um there's some almost psychological reaction to that and uh and you get a bump in the soybean market uh, I would view that as one of your better pricing opportunities for the year uh, because really from a fundamental standpoint, the only thing that I can see that will bail us out of the massive surplus of soybeans that we have is a 1988-2012 style drought. And that's going to have to be a really bad one to even get us down to 400 million bushels. Yeah, and... That doesn't seem likely at this point, certainly with all the moisture and the wet and the flooding and everything that we have going on. We're talking with University right. of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, also we have a situation now, the president talking about closing the border with Mexico. Remains to be seen how if that would shut down trade. Some are, are saying, hey, if that could happen and it could have a devastating effect. So that's another issue we have to watch. Absolutely. Uh, you know, no details. So no one knows exactly what that means. 
when he says close the border, does he mean just close the border uh, to people? Will that allow commercial traffic, or is it literally a sealing of the border uh, for uh, railroads, everything? Um, don't know. I mean, it would definitely be uh, a, a large negative inc- impact on the corn market, uh, given uh, the importance of Mexico as a market for corn. Yeah, when he first said that, I just assumed he meant people crossing the border. I hadn't even thought about goods as far as agricultural trade and things like that, but that has since been talked about. And as you said, we're not really getting any clarification yet from uh, the White House. No, we will. You know, this is one where it will really matter uh, whether whether they mean just people or people and goods. I also wanted to ask you the impact of getting back to China, the impact of African swine fever, which seems to still be a a growing concern in China, Vietnam, other places. What do you see as the immediate and long-term impact of that? Well, it's certainly bearish for U.S. uh, soybean exports to China, even outside of the, the... trade problem because uh you know they have a huge hog herd and um that's where much of the soybean meal is used internally in china so it would definitely put a real hole in that demand now how much of that would be compensated by expansion in their poultry herd um and so you know there's a great unknown the great first great unknown is how large is the impact on the hog herd? No one knows. You can see estimates from reductions, I think, right now of 10% to 30% kind of bracket uh, what I'm hearing about the, the death losses. I mean, it's important to keep in mind that this is the scale of this because China has roughly half of the hogs on the planet. So when something of this magnitude happens there, you know, it's just a, on a massive scale. So, you know, the real opportunity uh, for U.S. farmers is, in essence, to, I like this phrase, you know, uh, literally think about walking the soybeans to China in the form of uh, hog exports, of of pork exports. And with the tremendous run-up in hog prices that we've seen in the last month, this is people are building that expectation into pork prices. So there's a real opportunity there, but the absolute extent of it is unknown because the Chinese system doesn't really run on frozen pork. So a real opportunity, but it's hard to know exactly uh, the magnitude. All right, Scott, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch with you as these things develop. Thank you very much. All right. Always uh, a pleasure talking with you, Mike. Take care. University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. And joining us now is Colin Woodall, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. As expected, it did not pass, was the uh, vote on the uh, Green New Deal. What would you think of that? You know, EPA says that we are only 2% 
of the greenhouse gas emissions in this country. And we're only going to get better uh, because every day we are finding new science, new technologies that we can incorporate to make sure these animals are as efficient as possible and that we can produce as much high-quality beef as possible without having a major impact on the environment. And it's also lost on people like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that without a strong, healthy environment, we don't have an industry. And uh, we're trying to make sure that she, along with others, are aware that agriculture, especially the cattle business, is part of the solution. We're not part of the problem, Mike. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Howdy. Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon Howdy. device. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so we've been talking a lot about uh, the Midwest flooding, getting updates, uh, especially in the state of Nebraska. Let's go back there, northeast Nebraska. Soybean farmer Greg Anderson joins us now. Greg, thanks for being with us. Uh, describe the conditions on your farm. Well, good morning, Mike. Well, things are settling up back a little bit more towards normal. Uh, a lot of the drainage has happened. Uh, most of the things are not underwater, although I do have a pasture in a lowland area that has some water on it yet. I'm concerned about whether the grass will come back or not. Uh, here in Nebraska, it's been cold and continuing to be kind of wet. It, it, uh, we had a little snow overnight, and uh, the forecast is for some warmer temperatures later this week. So we really need that with planting really on the horizon here in about uh, three weeks or so. What about the condition of your, of your land? Uh, how much residue out there on those fields? Well, I was fortunate. Um, I have a lot of rolling hills, and the uh, I have no-till situation, and so I wasn't affected that badly. However, you don't have to drive very far in the ground that was uh, tilled last fall or on bottom ground, especially in some counties just to the south of where I live. It was really roughed up bad with a, a lot of heavy water through there, uh, leaving uh, trees, debris, cornstalk bales, um, just all kinds of, of things scattered where our cleanup really hasn't been able to happen yet because of, of the mud. And, uh, we, you know, we're not freezing hard at night, so it's difficult to get out there. You just have to let that dry off before you can get out and even start to do some repair on these fields. We're talking with Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson. He farms in northeastern Nebraska. Greg, when did you start planting last year? You know, Mike, I think it was right around, it was kind of a late last year. We had a little bit late spring last year because of a, a mid-April snowstorm. But I was uh, running about April 28th, I believe. Um, I like to start around the 25th, if possible, in this part of the state. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen again this year. It looks like a uh, not only a late spring, but a very, very late spring. And so... Um, 
when it starts to roll, I know people will be going. The, the temptation is to get out there a little bit too early when it's just not quite good enough, and then you have uh, seed-to-soil uh, contact problems that you might have issues with throughout the year. Now, you're all soybeans, uh, but do you think some farmers will be switching some corn acres to soybeans in your area? I think that uh, they're going to try to plant corn if they possibly can. They might even switch uh, hybrids uh, to an earlier, uh, you know, maturing uh, hybrid if it gets to be into those uh, May days. However, uh, there probably will be some switching to soybeans. I think there will be a fair amount of prevent plant acres, however, where you know, it's just going to be too wet to get anything in this year. I guess the other issue, and only time will tell, even if they get some of those acres planted that are in question, uh, how productive will they be? How will yields be impacted? Uh, that's a great point because for, for folks growing corn, uh, really they like to get that fertilizer on in the fall. There's a lot of anhydrous ammonia b- being done uh, you know, in, in my area from you know, year to year to year. Uh, that just didn't happen last year because of the late uh, uh, harvest and also uh, a very extremely wet ha- um, harvest there in October, November, where uh, nitrogen just didn't get put on. And so now the dilemma is uh, no fertilizer put on. How do we do it? And what kind of options do we have to face, this especially you know, facing the corn farmers in this area? How's transportation in your area? Is it getting anywhere close to back to normal? Well, it is. The major uh, highways are, are good and fine and passable. I know around south of Columbus there uh, on Highway 81, it was always a, a kind of a, a rough spot for a while. Uh, that's gotten better. It's the uh, rural country roads, Mike, that are still uh, in major uh, dilemma. Uh, a lot of rerouting of farm-to-market type things where people would usually take one route, but they can't because a bridge is out or a road is just uh, needing attention, and, and it's not uh, passable for semi-trucks. And this will continue. There's even ethanol plants shut down because of rail lines um, you know, not being able to uh, function, that type of thing. It's going to take at least a couple more months to try to get it halfway back to normal. I think it's going to take the entire uh, year uh, for it to, to get back to where it was before this happened. Have you seen in your area much damaged grain where bins have collapsed and the water's gotten to the grain? Yeah, there's been some some of that, especially uh, in this region of the state. Uh, a lot of people are looking at temporary storage in the big plastic bags, and uh, that there's a lot of those that got caught in this, uh, you know, grain corn stored out in the field in a large uh, white plastic sack that uh, is surrounded by water or covered by water. I mean, uh, just a terrible loss there. And then the other concern was certainly the livestock uh, sector. I've talked to uh, folks that uh, can't find their cows, don't know what happened to them, uh, never will find them, that type of thing. And then the other thing is the feedlots, extreme mud, uh, frozen conditions affecting gains. And then the other part with the cow-calf man, a uh, very rough calving season. Ever ever since uh, folks who start early in January, February, up to even through now, it's been a real struggle. A lot of death loss. All right, uh, Greg. So um, late April, maybe for you, but the, you're, you're probably looking at May planning this year. It sounds like probably, Mike. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not terribly concerned if I can get my beans in by the 10th of May. I, I think there's still 
that uh, probability of, of a strong yield. It's just that when you plant beans later, uh, studies have shown from universities and research that uh, it's going to take a, a bit of a yield hit. Uh, soybeans need that uh, lengthening sunlight to uh, put more nodes on and so forth. So we'd like to see uh, that goes in early and up and going. Um, we'll just have to see and, and give me another call maybe in a month and hopefully I can give you give you a better report and, and things are going to be keeping on improving, we hope. Well, I hope so too. We'll keep checking back in with you. Greg, thank you very much for the update. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Nebraska farmer Greg Anderson, he farms there in northeast Nebraska. Well, that wraps it up for today. We'll continue to keep you updated tomorrow and look more at the market reaction to uh, the Midwest flooding and more coming up tomorrow here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.